boot. That's right, it's the boot. We're recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, Ken and I take a trip to a... Nope. This week, Ken and I find our best friend in the European sit... No. <laughs> Are you making this up? Yeah, because I didn't write it earlier. Oh, what okay. happens in the movie? This week, Ken and I take a trip to Vienna, a city of intrigue, when we talk about the 1949 classic, The Third Man, starring Joseph Cotton, Alita Valley, Trevor Howard, Bernard Lee, and the Orson Welles. Uh, we wanted to do a noir. This is sort of, um, this is a classic it is. thriller. It is. I... Uh, not to besmirch the name, but I watched this whole movie and was like, okay. And then I went and it was like the best British drama in the world. The top like three movies of all time. And I was like, okay. Well, uh, I did not get that exact reaction. I but mean, sure. it, was, it was no Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, it wasn't. Honestly, though, when I was just trying to explain to you how Deckard Shaw murdered Han, like that is more... That's more intriguing. There's than more intrigue in there than there was in this movie. <laughs> Whether it's Harry Lyme's alive or not. Holly, I'd like to cut you in, old man. There's nobody left in Vienna I can really trust, and we've always done everything together. When you make up your mind, send me a message. I'll meet you any place, any time. And when we do meet, old man, it's you I want to see. Not the police. Remember that, won't you? <laughs> Don't be so gloomy. After all, it's not that awful. But what the fella said... In Italy, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. It's interesting that you said that thing about, like, finding out that this is literally every great filmmaker's favorite movie, because I definitely felt like I missed that part of the movie. <laughs> The part that made it the best movie ever made. Well, like, yeah. Like, I remember seeing this movie in film school and being like, wow, this movie is tremendous. It's amazing. And then I'm watching this weekend. I'm like, can we just get to Harry Lime? Like, I'm so bored. And what really blew my mind is that the whole time I'm like, the music in this movie is wild. Like, I'm sure whatever that instrument is, it's like German, Austrian, something culturally relevant. But it is so whimsical to me. And people are like, one of the most iconic movie soundtracks in a, of all time. And I'm like, it sounds like Spongebob. It was a bestseller. It was, it was a, a best It was a hit record. People loved this music. And I just really, I don't know if this is a different time, a different place. Like, I did not get that i fully agree with you and the whole time i kept thinking like if i ever become like the president of hollywood okay i am going to <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna strip the score of this movie and be like trent reznor get in here buddy <laughs> <laughs> let's update yeah. this let's honestly because it's not moody everything is like yes <laughs> Nothing screams secret deals, black market, like meetings dead in the children. sewers, dead children, like nothing. And it's all essentially one track mm -hmm. of a noir classic. You might as well have put Baby Elephant Walk over this fucking movie and it would have felt <laughs> the same. Just like that old like. Oh, boy. All right. Ugh. Guys, welcome to The Boot. This is a movie reboot podcast for I, Brian Flynn, and my co-host, Kenneth Trent. Pick a classic Hollywood film, pick five characters from that film, and recast it as if the movie was to be remade today. This week, classic really applies. We're talking about The Third Man. Yeah, I guess. This uh, is a classic. Everyone from, uh, who was, who was the trivia say? It was like, it hovers between, like, number... Four and number 12 on the greatest movies of all time on, like, many fucking lists. Yeah. So we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, we're going to get into some reboot news. And can I, I respectfully pass this along <laughs> because I didn't read it and I want to just – I want to have a visceral reaction. Okay. To hearing what this means. I don't know how visceral this is going to be, but Disney is looking to remake Home Alone for Disney+. Plus. Okay. That's about it. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? 
Um, I think... I don't know if this... Well, what does this mean, but not how you'd think? I think they mean not for a big screen. Oh. Yeah, so the uh, Home Alone is a Fox movie, and now that Disney owns the Fox brand, they're looking through that catalog to see what they want to do. Um, so along with this movie, I think I also heard rumors of like Cheaper by the Dozen getting another remake, Night at the Museum... Di- really? Diary of a Wimpy Kid. These are like new movies. Yeah. But I again, I don't know. if It's all for Disney Plus. So I don't know if some of these are going to be movies, if some of these are going to be series. Night at the Museum would be a really fun series. But um, yeah, it's just another sad list of movies that because Disney owns the world right now, um, they're looking to capitalize on. Do we want this? No. No, we don't. This article is saying, so this is from Cinema Blend. What's interesting here, at least potentially so, is the use of the word, quote, reimagining rather than remake. It's at least possible that we're not looking at direct remakes of these films, at least not all of them. So. But what's the point of making a movie called Home Alone and making it like about something different? I don't know. Also, everybody talks about how, like, you can't make this movie today. Like, you can't because Kevin, Kevin would has have a, a cell, cell phone, phone and the mom turns around immediately. Yes, it, absolutely. That's what would happen. Unless, you know, let's rewrite this movie. Kevin decides to disappear. How is that home alone? That's run away alone. But not if he just, like, stays home and decides not to tell anybody. Oh, he is just like, I'm just staying put. What if this was like a weird crossover where we find out that like Kevin McAllister is Jason Bourne? <laughs> like Tred, Tred, Treadstone <laughs> comes and shows up and they're like, listen, kid, you he got disappears. Skills. And then 15 years later, wakes up and doesn't know who he is. <laughs> uh, is there something there? No. OK, whatever. <laughs> Listen, at this point, I don't think that's crazy considering what we're talking about. So did anyone out there, if anyone is listening to this, if anyone is listening to this podcast, if anyone listening to this podcast saw Home Alone 3, please message us because this just sort of seems like a double beat on that. The one with the kid from Max, was it Max Keeble's big move? Yes. Alex D. Lenz. Well, did you see it? Home Alone 3? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, I like rented it for sure. Isn't French Stewart in it? I can't imagine I wouldn't remember seeing French Stewart in this movie, but. (laughs) The lasting power of French Stewart Um, is strong. Scarlett Johansson is in this movie. No. Yes. Young Scarlett Johansson plays uh, his sister. No French Stewart. I don't want it. I don't care. It's happening. Nobody needs this to happen. Honestly, Disney, I'll say this about Disney Plus. It's doing the most when it can absolutely do the least and we would still subscribe. Because all we want is the movies that exist to be there. And we'll have that. Right. So, like, I could spend a, a whole year just watching, like, Disney classics and all of the Disney properties now on Disney Plus and never touching a new thing. So why are why are we investing so much in like reboots of stuff we don't care to see? I don't know either. Nobody wants it. All right. Well, that's all the news this week. Um <laughs> great. Let's let's get into this classic movie, The Third Man, which has great moments. It has great moments and is shot beautifully and I just I worry that no one knows who's in this movie. Are we going to spend this whole time trying to convince ourselves that this really is a great movie despite the fact that we were both bored in the middle of it? I th- yes. Because I think you, I think the finger is out. The finger is out. Yes, I think 2019 could use a little third man. Okay, whatever you say, guys. This is a reboot of the Third Man. It was terrible, Mr. Martin. Terrible. I've never seen a man killed before. I think there was something funny about the whole thing. Funny? Something wrong? Of course there was. It was so terribly stupid for a man like Harry to be killed in an ordinary street accident. That's all you meant. What else? Who was the third man? What man would you be referring to, Mr. Martins? I was told that the third man helped you and Kurtz carry the body. Oh, I don't know how you got that idea. You'll find all about it in the police report. There were just the two of us, me and the Baron. Who could have told you a story like that? Ford at Harry's place. He was cleaning the window at the time. And so the accident? No, no, he didn't see the accident. 
but he saw three men carrying the body. The third man is directed by Carol Reed, director of such movies as Oliver! Oliver with an exclamation point. Yeah, so I really no, delayed it on. I got it. <laughs> uh, and The Fallen Idol. These are movies that had happened. Yeah. <laughs> at in, some point. <laughs> in the Depression era. <laughs> Pre-war. Uh, stars, stars Joseph Cotton as Holly Martins, Alita Valley as Anna Schmidt, Trevor Howard as Major Calloway, Bernard Lee as Sergeant Payne, and Orson Welles as Harry Lime. Yes, so, uh, guys, this is a classic movie, and if you don't know any of these people's names, it's because they were all dead before you were born, except maybe Orson Welles, who, famous American filmmaker and actor. Yes. Who stayed alive longer than he should have. Necessary. <laughs> Who's also a huge dick while making this movie. Did you read the trivia about how he, like, fled for two weeks, avoided the assistant director and any production assistants who tried to track him down in Europe? Yikes. And he showed up two weeks later. He had delayed the production significantly, and while he was gone, they had to, like, they used every single person they could to body double for him. Yeah, For, like, all the, like, running sewer shots. And then when he got there, they were like, great, we need you to, like, film in the sewer. And he was just like... I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so they had to, like, film him in a in a soundstage in London because he, like, refused to go in the sewers. Wow. A real diva. Yeah. Yeah. A real piece of shit. <laughs> um, this was another piece of trivia that I, I was also going to start with. Tell me about with. it. So this is according to IMDb when we know that they're not the most reliable. But apparently... In May 1999, it was announced that John McTiernan would be directing a modern-day remake set in New York with Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor starring. Huh. It failed to materialize. Oh, Neeson and McGregor? Yeah, it failed. I'm sorry if you picked those two guys. You're about 20 years too late. <laughs> An old Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon <laughs> Jinn reunion. Yes. Uh, it failed to materialize, presumably much to the delight of famed screenwriter Buck Henry, who, uh, who, on hearing of the big sleep, said, Enough is enough. If anyone tries to remake The Third Man, I'll take a shotgun to them. Yikes. That's very aggressive. So, uh, Well, this is a question I have. So apparently the, re the proposed remake was supposed to take place in New York. Can a modern version of this exist? I think it can. I think on the, okay. the basis of like... a. A, a friend is called to a different country to reunite with another with a childhood friend. Mm -hmm. Finds out he's just passed away. Investigates the death. Comes to the conclusion through a third party that he may not have died of natural causes. It may have been murder. Intrigue, intrigue. And then mm. you find out that the the friend who invited him is this shady underlord dealings. I think there's threads that could work. The setting of Vienna. Being the city split post-war, ruled by the Americans, the British, yeah. the French, and the Russians. It's very specific and interesting. So this is how I thought about it. I had to, you know, you had to make a choice. Are you going to remake this movie to be set in 1949? Or are you going to make this movie to be set in 2019? And I deliberately picked it to be set in 2019 because the world is such a mess now mm -hmm. that you could probably figure out the mechanisms for why... Different people have jurisdiction over certain areas or claim to have certain yeah. jurisdictions over certain areas. So that I went with a truly modern take. However, I will say I think I got spooked in my cast because I had spooked a near not a near completely different cast. But like my two big like Harry and Holly after reading these takes of like how everyone just like fucking loved this fucking beautiful movie, I was just like, I looked at my cast and I was like, get out of here, TV actors. <gasps> Whoa. And I got spooked into picking some A-listers. And now I'm like, well, I wonder if that took out some originality. Which Listen, TV is the new prestige. Not according to Tarantino, if you watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That well, movie is a direct indictment of TV. Well... An enjoyable movie, but, I mean, Tarantino is just a flawed human being. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Should we start talking about yeah. Holly Martins? Yeah. Um, Holly Martins, played by Joseph Cotton. I What a great old-fashioned name. So, I don't understand. So, Joseph Cotton, hopefully I got these ages right. Joseph Cotton was 44 when he made this movie. He looked like he was about 44, and then Orson Welles was 34 when he made this movie and looked like he was 54. <laughs> He oh, just, yeah. like, looked... They looked Listen, the same. Orson Welles just looks like a bloated mess. 
At all, at all times? At all times. Um, what to say about Holly? I guess um, it's weird, like, trying to read how this movie was made. I guess Holly's supposed to be kind of unheroic in his actions. Like, he's constantly, like, doubling back and forth between whether he his friend is a diabolical, like, menace to society mm-hmm. or whether he's being framed by the police. And ultimately, when he makes the decision to help the police capture Harry. He flip-flops a bunch of times. But I didn't really get that from him. I mean, I feel like Holly's pretty... I mean, he's the protagonist, so he's very sympathetic in in the dealings of, like... He has this friend who's his best friend, right? Yeah. And he's coming to visit, and then he finds that his friend is, is, in, is involved with all of this crazy, crazy... This weird, like, penicillin racket... Yeah. That's led to the brain, like, the brain damaging of hundreds of children in Vienna and post-world Austria and uh, just a real monster. Yes. I guess nobody knew Harry like he did, like I did. How long ago? Back in school. It's never so lonesome in my life till he showed up. And you see him last? September 39th. When the business started? Mm-hmm. See much of him before that? Once in a while. Best friend I ever had. He must have known I was broke. He even sent me an airplane ticket. It's a shame. What? Him dying like that. Best thing that ever happened to him. What are you trying to say? He was about the worst racketeer that ever made a dirty living in this city. So, I wanted to... Pl- I, I, it's like, okay, you have to pick someone who could play that fish out of water... Pretty well. Mm-hmm. Someone who can get, uh, who can feel like they're over, way over their head in this big conspiracy. Yes. In the in the idea of like, wh- is Harry dead or not? If not, who's protecting him? Who wants him dead? Um, all that stuff. And ultimately, at the end, realize that his friend is uh, a monster. I ended up going with one of our favorites, Mister James McAvoy. Oh wow! That's right. Okay. Big big gun here. Gun here. We it need is a big gun. It is a big choice, but not a bad, not a bad choice. No, just wait till you see who I pick oh, for Harry. Boy. I love James McAvoy, and who I think doesn't? there's something so specific about Holly being way out of his depth. Yeah, because there's something like, tr- I mean, maybe only in the movies do you ever. No, I take that back. Not only in the movies, because we've watched people do it in recent years. But, like, that thing of, like, well, I'm just an author, but I write suspense. And so I'm going to take it into my own hands to to find a murderer, to find out what's really going on. Like, that kind of thing is, I think, requires someone who could, who is not super heroic, but is going to try their best. And I love James McAvoy for that because he's, I mean, I see him as a hero, but he could play a more of an everyman. Yeah. I, I kind of wondered about this, like trying to pick these two characters. Like that probably is the most unrealistic thing that it's like two childhood friends. One becomes like a mediocre writer and then the other one becomes an international criminal. Like that seems like such a really weird split. So I'm trying, trying to think of, like, but modern ways that, like, maybe they're, like, college friends. Like, childhood friends seems a little less, like... But I don't know. I mean, it could be the difference of a man who went to war and one who did not. Did Holly not go to war? Is that the conceit? I sort of imagine that, like, Harry, like, ended up in Europe via World War Two. Yeah, yeah. And sort of used his particular – because once you really get into it, Holly is sort of like, yeah, well, I guess he sort of like ran a few schemes as a kid. Like he, I guess he was that kind of person. And you're like, well, yeah, <laughs> it just wasn't as big as like diluting penicillin and selling it to local hospitals. Yeah. But – so I could see that. Like he just ends up on a much larger scale and then Holly's someone who's like stayed at home, has published a few books, lives very modestly. Yeah. Maybe maybe that happens. Yeah. But also, they haven't seen each other in years. He's like, Holly's like telling, um, I think, the major about how like, oh, I'm here to see my best friend. And it's like, well, when, when was the last time you saw each other? And it was like 1933. 
And also, like... Best friends, you say? And also, like, Harry apparently couldn't stop talking about Holly constantly. Because when he shows up and he finds out that Harry's dead, everyone he meets is like, Oh, we know about you. Harry wouldn't stop talking about you. And he's just like, really? Why? But it's like all his friends who are covering for him. So many people had to die in this movie just so Harry could, like, fake his death. <laughs> it's so upsetting. But isn't that the way, really, in real life? That you fake your death? Yeah, you gotta you gotta trim some trees to get some shit. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about either, but... Okay. Well, now that I've run out of things to say, why don't you tell us who um, Okay, so for my Holly, I picked a TV actor. Pfft, I don't care. Um, I picked Matthew Reese mm. of The Americans, which I just started watching recently. And I must say, I always thought that Matthew Reese seems like a very average person. And then I started watching The Americans and I was like, oh, I totally get it. I totally get it. I think he's average in looks or average in skill. Just like an average like actor. Like I don't think I ever understood like why people seem to love him so much. Oh, he's incredible. And then I started watching the Americans <laughs> and I was like, this guy is so versatile. He was so good, Carrie Russell is like, I'm gonna change my life to be with you. <laughs> he was so good. Carrie Russell was like, I'm I just I need to I be need to with be you. With you now. Um no, yeah, he is so phenomenal, but I think I love him because he seems so accessible. Yeah. And that's what I love about Holly, like just rando guy who has some vague notion of deduction mm -hmm. and wants to stay in Vienna and figure out what happened to his friend, you know, in the meantime. Actually, my favorite scene in this whole movie is when Holly and Anna uh, go to see the um, they go to see the porter and he's dead and they're standing outside the apartment building. And everybody's like whispering about him because this child is talking about, He's is like, telling them murderer. that he killed him. And so then this child who cannot be more than four years old leads a mob of people <laughs> down the street chasing him saying, Papa, Papa. Porter has been murdered. When they assist him in what he destroyed the right cop dot. he's dead or murdered. I think you did it. It's so insane. It's so insane. And Harry's kind of a dope. He just stands there and it, like he doesn't seem like it affects him that everyone's just like starting to be like, hey, this this kid. Well, Anna like really doesn't chime in until he's like, hey, what are they talking about? And she's like, well, they think you murdered him. <laughs> she's like, oh, so... yeah, I guess they all think you did it and they're ready to tear you apart limb from limb. This is kind of weird, but uh, we should leave. We should go. I guess we, I guess we should go. Um, that's a great pick. I'm, I'm, it's definitely not a choice I would have thought of, but the man is a literal chameleon and can do anything. So however you want Holly to be, he'll be it. Yeah. However you see him being it. Sure. If I, if I disagree with you, who Holly should be, doesn't matter. Matthew Reese can fucking do it. <laughs> Matthew Reese will make it happen. He'll make it happen. See, that's that's the best thing about <clears throat> playing a spy on TV is that you have to show your versatility. Mm -hmm. Wigs. Mustaches. Oh, so many mustaches. So many turtlenecks. Oh, turtlenecks galore. Glasses, you bet. You Oh, you better believe. Anna. <laughs> Anna and, Banana. And, oh, wow. Um, Anna played by... Uh, Alita Valley, who in the trivia was like, she was supposed to be the next Greta Garbo, but she did it. <laughs> but nobody knows who this woman is. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's too bad. Well, it's interesting because she is beautiful. I mean, maybe this is a bold statement, but she's not terribly captivating as an actress. No, I also was wondering, like, why does Holly fall in love with her? Because she's the only woman in this movie? It's a very, like, traditional conceit, I feel like, of, like... This heartbroken woman who was in love with his best friend and now they're because they shared feelings for him like they're together and then all of a sudden their faces get kind of close and there's yeah. like tension like crazy. Yeah, I kept I kept thinking like one in a modern version that has to be much stronger and more yeah. and more emotionally charged between them. Second is that Holly might have to have had some sort of romantic relationship with Harry like. Oh, interesting. 
Or or there must have been some jealousy quality between Harry and Holly. Like, Holly always wanted to be like Harry, but never was. And now he's trying to solve uh, Harry's murder. And here's this beautiful, like, femme. And it's, like, it's in they're in, like, a city. And it's kind of, like, maybe he feels like he can fill in that person but he's ultimately not harry what if there what if there is no romantic relationship that could also work um i think it'd be so much more interesting if holly meets anna and anna is like trying to figure out what happened to harry on her own yeah and it's sort of like you need to leave because like i'm just i'm gonna handle this that that could work i i think that but i do like the idea that like at the end holly is desperate to save anna from whatever forces in the city like Anna risks everything to find Harry and to save Harry mm-hmm. at her own physical well-being. Like, if she gets caught, the Russians are going to take her. They're going to ship her back to Russia. She's going to be stuck on the other side of that fucking wall. And that's that. She's never going to see democracy. She's never going to see the Western world. She's going to live behind the Iron Curtain for the rest of her fucking days. Must you take those letters? Yes, I'm afraid so. They're Harry's. That's the reason. You won't learn anything from them. They're only... Love letters. There are not many of them. They'll be returned to you, Miss Schmidt, as soon as they've been examined. There's nothing in them. Harry never did anything. Only a small thing wants out of kindness. And what was that? You got it in your hand. And she's willing to do that for Harry because Harry's so captivated, captivating as this, like, person that we don't meet until way later. Yeah. That I think... It's fine if Holly and Anna don't have any romantic relationship, but there has to be a reason for why Holly needs to save Anna. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, I think it could be admiration or like general concern because like he thinks he still thinks like he's going to find when he finds out that Harry's still alive. I think he sort of thinks like, oh, I'll just have a conversation with him. We'll get to the bottom of what's going on. Everything's going to be fine. So then when he finds out that he isn't who he used to be and he has not only like messed with Holly's life, but has also completely messed up Anna. Like, I think there is sort of this thing of, oh, well, I was just trying to figure out what happened to my friend. But now I'm just interested. Like, I don't want you to go down with him. Yeah. Like, I, I think there is that without it being romantic, there is that relationship that Holly can have with Anna that's like. No, you don't have to go down for this, too. Yeah. So let's figure out how to help each other. Yeah. All right. Who'd you pick? Um. So I picked Alicia Vikander mm. for my Anna. Mm. She's beautiful. She's mysterious. And she's strong. Yeah. Which I think was very important for me because ultimately, like so many characters at this time, uh, unless you were like a a big star, are sort of written to just be like arm candy are written to just sort of be an accessory to the story and i was like not if you put someone in like new anna would be much stronger of a character Mm -hmm. and i think she can do that i like that pick and i like that actress so much that you may or may not hear her name pop up in a different episode (laughs) (gasps) oh my gosh so thanks a lot thanks a lot wow are you mad (laughs) There's a little wind out of my sail for so sorry. Uh, some upcoming I'm episodes. I'm so sorry. Um, no, but she's great. Like she, um, she's a real. I almost said tough cookie. She's <laughs> she's no, but she's like a really active and uh, strong presence on screen. Like mm-hmm. she's not. I guess like I never saw that. She's in the Danish Girl, isn't she? Yes. I never saw that. You know what she's I did really see? Good. Tomb Raider, and she was badass <laughs> oh in that. My gosh. Um, I do have a question about Anna, and th- I don't even know if you noticed this, but I very much did. There's that part where the uh, when the Russians finally come to arrest her, and they're leaving her apartment, and one yeah. of them is like, "Here, don't forget your lipstick." Yeah. Why? I th- thought that that moment in particular was like I don't know why it happened, but it was just like this weird moment where like the one Russian officer was like showing her compassion. It- Because it might be the last time she felt compassion from someone in a long time. Well, it just felt like it was going to lead somewhere. Oh, no. Because it's such a weirdly specific moment where we can do without it. I I sort of felt like she was being marched to her death because the Russians were going to take her. uh They were going to send her back. 
and she was just going to live a miserable life without i i'm assuming that like so, post-war russia was a really bad place to be. so like in in your in in your vision of russia even the russians know that they suck so much that they're like this is the last piece of humanity you're ever gonna receive like she's going straight to siberia <laughs> she's going to a gulag that's not really no yeah it, i really <laughs> felt like because huh. the way they set it up is she's like, if they find out that I have a fake passport, I'm being sent back to Russia. Mm-hmm. And that apparently is so fucking bad that her risking the chance to have that happen is because she, like like her her love for Harry is bigger than her. The rest of her life being spent in this like horrible Soviet place. That's how I sort of felt like they were talking about it. Even Vienna seems kind of like terrible to live in, though, at the time. Like everybody's lived in like living in like bombed out buildings. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing the Von Trapps got out when they did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, all I that's all I'm trying yeah. to say. Okay. Who did you pick for your Anna? Um, I picked, I'm going to mess up her name, Leia Sidhu. Okay. From Spectre and Blue is the Warmest yes. Color. Um, I, so I think th- I saw zero minutes of blue is the warmest color but i did see specter <laughs> mm-hmm. and i know being a bond girl is sort of like a type yeah but i did enjoy her turn in that movie because it it was i don't know why but it it, it felt like she um how do i put this she was <laughs> she wasn't helpless yeah but there was a lot of sorrow in her weirdly for like james bond to maybe she's just like maybe maybe it was like the spy movie version of the manic pixie dream girl where it's like only james bond can save this woman's soul there's like two versions of bond girl there's like super sexy just there so james bond can hook up with her and then Uh there's like really sad haunting haunting sort of stuck in a place that she needs to be like rescued from yes i enjoyed the haunting aspect of her yeah. performance i don't but i agree with you i don't think that she needs to be so like woe is me the whole time that she is currently in this yeah it's always bad about this time he used to waking around six i've been frightened i've been alone without friends and money I've never known anything like this. Please talk. Tell me about him. Tell him what? Or anything, just talk. But I think she's a great actress, and and I don't know where my modern version of this movie would take place, but I definitely wanted, like, a European or Middle Eastern actress, like, someone that that seems like they aren't, that American audiences would be like, you know, we're definitely not in Kansas anymore with this person. Yeah. She, yeah. The, I think it adds like a, a healthy form of mystery to her mm-hmm. for her to have. Well, I mean, Lea Seydoux is French, yes. right? So that's a little less mysterious. But yeah. I definitely had the same thing where I was like, Alicia Vikander has such a sort of like vague European accent. Like, <laughs> that's what we need. Right. Um, so that's who I picked. And I, I'm trying to remember this, this scene in this movie with Anna. I forget it. I lost. I lost my train of thought. Is it the end where she just walks right past him, and you said, so, "Yes, Queen, so cool. good for you. You don't owe him anything." That was so cool. I I did want to know why her and Harry were so in love because you meet Harry and you're like, "This guy's a shyster." Like, do you think it was just that? Like he he used her in a way, or do you think that? Well, there yeah. Was like, I mean, he says in the Ferris wheel scene at one point, like, make sure you take care of her because she she was useful to me or something uh, like that. And so, yeah, he's a shyster. Like he found a beautiful woman and just she and was able to sort of charm her. Hmm. And so she was all kinds of in love, and he maybe saw her as disposable. And which then I guess ties back into that whole thing about how Holly is just like, don't don't go down with this fucking guy. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Major Calloway, played by Trevor Howard. Um, I like this character a lot. And and yeah. originally, like, uh, I don't know why this was, but I saw Calloway as, like, older and someone mm-hmm. who's more relaxed compared to, like, Holly and Anna. But he's really, like, relentless. Like, he is meticulous. Like, he says so many times, he's like, he says to, like, Holly, he's like, you know, you probably shouldn't hang out in Vienna anymore. Like, you should probably get on a flight, get out of here. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And then Holly keeps staying. And then their interactions, it's more and more. He's like, don't worry about it, Holly. Like, I'm going to get him. 
sooner or later, I'm going to get this guy. But he's always so, like, cordial. Well, it's what's fascinating to me is that there's a point in the story where Calloway just, like, tells Harry and Anna separately exactly what's going on. Yeah. And it... It was so fascinating because I was like, oh, this whole time you've just been very sort of generally like you don't have it. You don't have to worry about any of this. Just go home. And then when it comes down to it, he's like, OK, cool. So here's the whole thing. He's running a penicillin scheme. He's doing all this bad work. Hey, I'm going to take you to this hospital so you can yeah. see these dying children. Yeah. And then maybe you can help us. I don't want another murder in this case. And you were born to be murdered. So you're going to hear the facts. You haven't told me a single one yet. You ever heard of penicillin? Well, in Vienna, there hasn't been enough penicillin to go round, so a nice trade started here. Stealing penicillin from the military hospitals, diluting it to make it go further, and selling it to patients. Do you see what that means? Are you too busy chasing a few tubes of penicillin to investigate a murder? These were murders. Men with gangrened legs, women in childbirth, and there were children too. They used some of this diluted penicillin against meningitis. The lucky children died. The unlucky ones went off their heads. You can see them now in the mental ward. That was the racket Harry Lyme organized. Also, just the nerve of this guy, how, like, he's the one who takes Anna's passport and all the letters from Harry. And then when the Russian guy comes to be like, hey, can I see that passport again? He's all like, eh, don't worry about it. Like, the nerve of him. (laughs) You're the one who got her in trouble. I know. So I'm trying to think of someone who wouldn't seem like someone that you think would be the guy to catch Harry. Mm Mm-hmm. But can also be a master of exposition because you're right. Like, he's the guy who explains everything that Harry did. That montage of evidence, though, that was really weird because they show him one slide and they're like, I have more evidence. And then it's like, yeah, magnifying glass. Ten year, ten minutes later. Well, that was all the evidence. Yeah. And he's like, don't you see? And he's like, you're right. Anyways, is it my turn? Yes. Yes. Um, I ended up picking Jared Harris. From oh, great Chernobyl choice. Great and choice. Mad Men and The Terror. Is he in The Terror? Yes. Season one. Season one. I, I mean, it, I've loved Jared Harris since Mad Men. Yeah. Since. Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. Yeah, I remember he was in Mr. He Deeds. Was? Yeah. He plays a very strange character. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, I would like to say that I've enjoyed him since Sherlock Holmes, but I, again, have never finished that movie. And I've tried to start it six times. Oh, the... He plays Moriarty in RDJ's Sherlock Holmes. Wow, I don't remember that at all. I've definitely seen those movies more than once. Yeah. Huh. Um. Anyways, I just think that he is the kind of guy that I wanted to see in this role. Like, the kind of guy who's like, hey, Mr. Martins, come in here, like... You know, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're friends with Harry Lyme. Well, you know, we're investigating him, right? Like, you know, that he was a bad guy. You should probably get out of here. You should probably like, you know, just this the casual, the casualness of Calloway. I mean, he's not like casual in the beginning, but he, he, he takes an approach with Holly that ultimately works in his favor in the end. Like he, mm-hmm. he's not like, tell us where your friend is. Like, I know he's alive. He's just like, oh, tell me about your friend. What are you doing here? Like, oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe you should know that this is what he was up to. Maybe you should know that, like... Cool as a cucumber. Yeah. That's what I picked. That's a great choice. Love Jared Harris. Incredible. (laughs) Chernobyl. He needs to win all the awards. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he's great. Yes. I feel like there's a very specific kind of actor who can play this kind of part. Mm -hmm. Um... Just highly, highly British. Very sort of keep calm and carry on, like... Ooh, yeah. A bu- a sort of sitting on that, the the very surface of the water, kind of stiff upper lip kind of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my Major Calloway, I picked Roy Kinnear. Roy Kinnear. Ror- Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear. Um, whom you may know from... All of the modern uh, James Bond movies. Oh, yes. He's He's, also in Sherlock Holmes. Oh, is he? Doesn't he play... Who's the, like, constable in those movies? Sherlock Holmes. No, I'm thinking of someone else completely different. Um, You may also know him from the highly controversial very first episode of Black Mirror. 
uh, in which he plays the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and he fucks a pig. Yes, he does. Uh, he's also in Penny Dreadful, um, Years and Years, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm very interested in. Um, yeah, no, I think he's phenomenal for this kind of exact reason and that I just see him being mm-hmm. a very sort of even keeled military man who is just trying to carry on his his business and trying to send Holly home because he's getting in the way. Um, yeah. So that's who I picked. Hmm. Okay. I, I know this man. He's great. He's, he's like, he's like a true character actor. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I don't know. I don't know how many people are going to be like, Oh, I know this guy. I've You definitely have seen him more he's, recently than, than you think. Yes. Like he is a face that when you see him, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who does he play in these bond movies? He's like M. Uh, He's like M's assistant, right? Yes. Or secretary. Yeah, her like right hand person. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Um, Sergeant Payne, played by Bernard Lee. Um, well, that's funny. Wait, I just realized the, the James Bond, Bond connection. connection. Mm-hmm. Because Trevor Howard, who played Major Calloway, was M. Was the original. Cute M. No M. No, the guy Bernard Lee who played Payne was M. Right. One took over for the other. Oh, they both did? Yes. Yes, because Bernard Lee is like, yeah, Diamonds Are Forever, The Man with the Golden Gun, Live and Let Die, Dr. No, for sure. I think Diamonds Are Forever was his last. Nope. Nope. Live and Let Die was his. Nope. Nope. Man with the Golden Gun was his last. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. No. (laughs) Somebody make me stop. Moonraker was the last one. Maybe I'm thinking of a different actor because... Because Trevor um, Howard doesn't seem to have any James Bond on his uh, resume. Okay. Um, Sergeant Payne, played by Bernard Lee. Uh, this is a weird character. Uh, why did you why did you pick Payne? Just because he was in it the most? Um, yeah, I think we I think we form an emotional connection with Payne. Okay. Sort of in the same way that like Harry's cronies are one thing, and we get a glimpse of them, but we really sort of lose track of them after we find Harry. Harry. Yeah. Because the last confrontation Holly has with them is being like, you tell Harry I want to meet him. I'm going to stay right over here until mm-hmm. he decides to come out. And then so all that sort of like stuff that happens up front, I feel like we have a much stronger connection with Payne who ends up dying in the sewer mm-hmm. um, in the whole chase scene. Plus, he just he's the guy who when he meets Holly at the beginning is like, hey, I know you. Yeah. I've read your books. Yeah. Holly Martin's. The, uh, the writer, the author of Death at Double X Ron. Listen, Callahan. I'm so glad to have met you, sir. I've read quite a few of your books. Which I'm going first this time, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'll just, I'll just talk about why. Because I think there's something opposite of uh, a few of the other characters. There's something really good-hearted about this guy. Because the pairing of him and Calloway kind of has to be this, like... Not necessarily like a straight man comedian kind of thing, but whereas Callaway is more of the like hardline guy, Payne is more the guy who like punches Holly and then is sort of like, hey, sorry, I had to do that. But like, you know how it goes. Yeah. And we and we feel for him because he is the kind one who is like, no, I'm a fan. Like, let me tell you about like, I've read your books. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get it. I get who you are. Like. We we like him. And so I picked someone who I think is um, likable, maybe a little bit goofy, but um, I think we could form a nice connection with so that by the end of the movie, when we sort of lose him in the kerfuffle, we're upset about it mm-hmm. and we're mad at Harry because of it. Uh, so I picked Matthew Lewis, whom you may know as Neville Longbottom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> Who got super attractive. Yeah, he glowed up. Yeah, I just remember when, like, Deathly Hollows Part 2 came out and, like, the final fight, all the women in the audience were just like, oh, my God, Neville Longbottom. Yeah, I mean, it's he sparked his own verbiage. What? Meaning, like, to glow up in, in a very real way is to Longbottom. <laughs> oh, really? I've yeah. never heard it referred to as Longbottom. <laughs> Um, he still kind of has like a goofy face. That's a great pick. Um, I I struggled to find like a younger. Well, I guess my my um, Callaway is a lot older than who I picked for Pain. But I I like the idea of your Pain being like kind of like a young kid. 
I mean, he's like 30. Yeah, young, a young whippersnapper in their early 30s. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, children in their 30s. <laughs> It's interesting. I haven't I haven't seen him in anything outside of Harry Potter. So I'm going to look up what this guy's doing. Um, I think the only thing I've seen him outside of Harry Potter was in Me Before You. Yeah. And um, he, he really doesn't have to. Really? Yeah. I mean, you're going to be making residuals off of Harry Potter in the millions for the rest of mm-hmm. your life, friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I can see that. I can see him sort of be like the the subordinate to like this really official okay i picked a very strange actor who's been showing up on a lot of stuff um and i think i might have just i've been trying to use him for so long and i might have just been like i'm put him here you panicked i panicked so i reserved the right to use him uh, for a, a better to position him better to be more featured mm-hmm. but i ended up picking an actor uh ferris ferris what? Am I saying that right? Who was also in Chernobyl. He was in Westworld. He made a brief appearance in Spider-Man Far From Home this summer. Oh, okay. Okay. He, I think he's great. And he has a yeah, yeah, very yeah. unique face. And what I mean that is just like... Mm-hmm. I don't know why. This is something that's really striking to me. Like, actors from Eastern Europe or the Middle East... I, I like recently saw a feature, uh, a short film about this entire premise, but it's mm-hmm. like they never really break out of the role of like creepy villain. Yeah. And this guy, Ferris Ferris, has done like a lot of like comedy and has done a lot of action and has done some like real okay. heavy drama. You saw Chernobyl, right? Yes. Remember the dog killing episode? Yeah. He's like the leader of that yeah. weird platoon that's sent out. But he like... He has charisma. And the thing that I like about Payne is that he is, he seems like the type of person who, well, I mean, he knows his pop culture because he knows who Holly is, Mm -hmm. but he seems a little more street level than Calloway. Okay. Like Calloway sees the big picture that like if Harry Lime is left to his own devices, hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people will die. Yeah. Payne seems to be like the kind of person who sees just like the individual, like, cost of that life a little bit more like i just sort of saw them as like big picture little picture that's Mm -hmm. why one is above the other one and i just love him as a presence on screen and again i reserve the right to use him again in a future movie after people know who he is after people get accustomed to who this person is yes they're gonna listen to this and be like brian kenna we don't know who you have picked (laughs) For any of these movies. Here's the thing, though. I th- I have thought cast, about this rather. a lot recently because I feel like I spend so much time trying to pick, like, unique people to be in movies. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? The same, like, 20 people are in every movie. So if I cast the same <laughs> 20 people in every movie, so be it. Yeah. Well, if people are listening to this and they're like, Brian, pick someone famous. Trust me. I You're about to get oh, it. Oh, you think, you think you're predicting the future. Yeah. Should we move on to Harry? Harry Lime. This is a perfect opportunity to cast someone of a high caliber mm-hmm. and try and hide who this person is. Yeah. And I was thinking about this and I was like, maybe I should have picked a, a, a few more A-list characters just so like, because I'm thinking about it in production. Yeah. Where it's like, you want to get some high, high powered names. So people be like, oh, maybe he's playing Harry or she's playing Harry. Or they're playing Harry. And then you like sneak this other person in and no one knows that they've even been on the set. Okay. Um, I guess I should just tell you who I picked. Yeah, just say it. I picked Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. That's A-list. That's That's top of the A-list. That is top of the mountain A-list. Now, let me ask you this. Is it more insane that I picked him to reprise a role from Orson Welles? Or that early, in the early days of this podcast, I picked him to reply, to reprise a role from Tom Cruise in Interview with the Vampire. Oh, wow. Honestly, it's more insane that I tried to cast him in Jaws. <laughs> 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 because I did do that. Um, no, but I honestly, I like, I like the, uh, the chutzpah it took. To pick a to pick as the Hollywood Reporter might say the last movie star mm. um, that we have they because didn't really say that did they yeah because there was this whole article about how he's like a movie star the way nobody else is a movie star and I don't even want to start this discussion because I know we have different opinions about what makes a movie star but 
I think he he literally is the top of the A list. Like he would be such a good get to mm-hmm. be like surprise. Like when he steps Leo out of the is shadow, in this movie. Yeah, when it's like not only is Harry not dead, Harry's fucking DiCaprio. Yeah, and it's like oh fuck, oh jam. This last hour is gonna be awesome. Um, the, the, he, here's the other thing, like the speech that Harry gives in that weird ferris wheel yes about the inconsequence of the lives below mm-hmm. is so awful yeah victims be melodramatic look down there would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever if i offered you twenty thousand pounds for every dot that stopped would you really old man tell me to keep my money or would you Calculate how many dots you could afford to spin. Free of income tax, only. Free of income tax. He's a monster. But you still somehow like Harry because the whole movie, these two people, Holly and Anna, have been talking about how much they love this person, how this doesn't seem like something that their friend or their their lover would be involved with. And I think right now we really like Leo as yeah. an actor. And to have him do something, like to have it give him something like that would be a real great opportunity to, to to land that kind of feeling of like oh man this guy really sucks but we really like him and we know that they're best friends and like, she loves him and he loves her and so what's going to happen by the end like it this casting affects holly's decision yeah. more than you think subconsciously yes in my opinion and i think too it helps us to understand h- how captivating he is because the question being like why does anna like him so much uh-huh. we, you gotta pick someone who has the sort of like undeniable charm of i don't know i just like him like that's leonardo uh-huh. DiCaprio. yeah plus he has yet to really take like a, a serious villainous turn right J. Edgar hoover Depends I mean, on who how you saw that movie? No one. <laughs> I tried to watch the first 10 minutes. I was like, Poof. who even saw that movie? Um, Django. Django Unchained. I don't know if I consider that like a serious villainous turn, though. Because it's very pulpy Tarantino. He, yeah, yeah. He's playing it in a comedic way. So having said what I just said, I'm interested to see what you think about my choice. Uh, because <laughs> I picked, I also was like, I want to pick someone who I would be excited to s- be revealed to be in this movie and someone who I think is a high caliber actor and who could bring uh, a sort of uh, charming mystery to Harry. So I picked Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, OK. I, do, I like I really like Benedict Cumberbatch. Who maybe has a similar quality in that, like, there is something undeniably enjoyable about him. Yeah. Even if we can't place like a finger on like he's a great actor, but maybe we can't quite figure out why we like him so much. It's really funny. Like there are people. So we like him in Sherlock, right? Because he's like neurotic and he's like yeah. highly intelligent. And he comes off as like a pompous ass. Like that's really well acted. And then like he plays kind of the similar vibe in Doctor Strange with a little more humility. Mm-hmm. And people seem to like hate it. And I was like, I think he's great. I think it's great. I, I think in the shadow of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, everyone's like, None of these characters are really all that great, I can't help but wonder if part of it has to do with his American accent. Oh, it might. It's unlikable. Oh, well. <laughs> Who did you pick as Holly? Matthew Reese. See, what's weird is I can almost see them flip. Really? Yeah. Meaning, like, Benedict Cumberbatch would be Holly? Yeah, but that's also crazy. That is crazy. You're talking crazy. <laughs> has Cumberbatch ever played a villain? Like, a true villain? Um, he was, uh, he played a gay computer and a dragon. He was a dragon. He was Smaug. He played a gay computer scientist. You just said a gay computer. <laughs> I use that word in the way that, uh, what was that movie? Hidden Figures used it. Oh, he, pl- <laughs> remember they had a computer, a computer department? Yes. Um, he did play Julian Assange. Oh. The least oh. likable human on the face of the planet. But who saw that movie? Julian Assange? I don't even think Julian Oh, he he was Khan. Oh, God. Star Trek Into Darkness. I think, I think Benedict has oy, the chops. Okay. All right. Okay. I think Benedict has the chops to play this role. Let me ask you this question. Is Matthew Reese and Benedict donning American accents? Well, we know uh, Matthew Reese has a great American accent. Yes. Very Midwestern 
very Russian pretending to be American. Yes. As I have just said, Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent, a little suspect. It's not Charlie Hunnam level, but it's also not terribly likable and enjoyable. It's it's he, five, he is, de- five degrees warmer American. It'd be there. But there's he's just some, way more compelling in his British. Mm-hmm. So he would have a British accent. <laughs> maybe. Okay. Maybe not. Yeah, I like this. You know what? I like this pick. All right. That wraps it up. Yep, we did it. So shall we move on? Yes. To where does Barry Pepper go, guys? Where does Barry Pepper go? Here's the thing. There aren't many American characters left no. in this movie. So no. are we expecting B-Peps to don an accent? Yes. Okay. Which accent do you think he could do better? American? I mean, uh, obviously American. Huh. <laughs> Which do you think he could do better? British, French, Russian, or the occasional German? Um, German, Austrian. British. Okay. Because he played a Kennedy. It's close. I would almost say maybe German, Austrian would probably be his. Oh, interesting. Either way, I, I cast him as a Brit. I put him as Crabbin. Me too! I also love the last name Crabbin. Yeah. And I loved how when he... So, the like cultural liaison who schedules Holly to like speak at this like book thing, mm-hmm. he's like, we're gonna do a literary night, a like a, a gala talk about like literature, and Holly's like, ah, I write trash novels, man, and then they show he shows up. Holly's like sweating for his life. He's being chased by these gangsters into this thing. He just thought he was about to be m- murdered, and his body dropped off, and he walks into this. Uh, talk with like nothing prepared and you just watch crab and slowly die it's pr- it's pretty great it's pretty great he's just the like, people oh, in the God. audience are like james joyce why james do you joyce. think of james joyce where do you put joyce where do you put joyce <laughs> holly's like i don't read books <laughs> <laughs> there's an a moment of absolute comedy in this movie where um where Callaway wants to present his evidence and so he's like, Pain, Magic Lantern Show. And he puts the he puts the slide up on this big screen and it's like a rhinoceros. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. he, in this like very pain. Pain. comedic way, he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. So it's, it's, it must be got mixed up. I know and you're like, what are what do they have? Know, it really, what is happening really, in this movie? Yeah, it really felt like the humor <laughs> tried to like they were like, Oh, let's make this noir like kind of funny. Let's put some bits of humor in it. And you're just kinda like, why? Like uh, after Harry's chased through the streets of Vienna, he comes into a room and he's bit by a parakeet or a cockatoo or something. <laughs> he's bit by a bird! And then every time someone sees him, they're like, what happened to your hand? He's like, oh, dang parrot. And you're just like, why, do you, why is this here? So here's the big question. After we've talked about it at length, do we like this movie any better? Uh, no, we don't. We don't, which is sad because I don't know why. I remember just loving this movie, seeing it for the first time. I think time. I'm able to look at this objectively and be like, I see the uh, merit of it, mm-hmm. but I did not like it particularly yeah. as a it's, – it's a very film school movie. It's it easily studied, but it's not – it's no Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, how many times can we say it? <laughs> Would you remake this movie? No, it wouldn't be worth the struggle of uh, film nerds being like, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Like, I'm just thinking of all the classic films that they remade and how fucking horrible they all died. Like, uh, Psycho. Psycho remake is a prime example. Of who, yeah, who, I am very curious who has seen this movie and who would yeah. be excited for a remake. Like the Magnificent Seven. The original Magnificent Seven is one of the best movies ever made. And based on Seven Samurai, which is also one of the best movies ever made. And then this just this new 2015 movie was just like, why? why? Like, why? Just why? I would see, again, I'd see a recut of this movie with like... Uh, Trent Reznor's score, yeah, or oh. like a Danny Elfman. It would be so fascinating oh, to yeah. have to take this exact movie and just undercut it with fresh score. Yeah, I think I'd be, I think I'd be way more into that. Yeah, great. Let's get out of here, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Boot. If you like this episode, please check out our past episodes. Please check out our next episode. It is, I can't say about the episode itself, but the movie we're doing is so. 
friggin' good. Um, he can't say because we haven't recorded it yet, but right, we're but excited. I enjoyed watching this movie, so hopefully I enjoyed talking about this movie. Uh, please tell your friends. Please rate and subscribe. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and review. That is the best way to help us out. And you want to help us out, right? You can also find us on Ko-fi, where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this beautiful podcast that link is in our description and all over twitter speaking of twitter you can find us at the boot podcast on twitter and at boot podcast on instagram or you can find us separately on social media because we are best friends who haven't seen each other in 15 years <laughs> at flynn b and at kenna trent okay guys thanks for joining us we'll see you next time goodbye Champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. <laughs>